Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. I have in the studio with me Brittany Spanos and Rob Sheffield. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey. That was done very nicely in unison. Congratulations. <laughs> and we are going to be talking about the Grammys. Ordinarily, we would probably leave the Grammys alone since we're already a few days after, but I have a feeling this ceremony is going to linger and reverberate and possibly lead to some changes or not. It was a very controversial Grammy ceremony, although as Rob points out, they've really often been controversial because quite often no one thinks the right people win the awards, which goes back much longer than people seem to think, especially, <laughs> especially a lot of young people seem to think this is an award that perhaps always recognized all the big rock people, and now it should recognize the big hip-hop people the way that it recognized the big rock people. The problem is... The Grammys never even got rock right, mm -hmm. like not even close. Every big rock act you can name practically didn't win a Grammy in the 60s. Or even get nominated. Led Zeppelin never yeah. got nominated. Jimi Hendrix never got nominated. The Rolling Stones never got nominated until the 90s. So this is a problem that goes way back. So it, it's not surprising that the Grammys are struggling in a new era, and some could argue they're trying very hard, but just not to literally anyone's satisfaction. I think we can agree they're further behind than they were when the show began mm -hmm. on Monday night. That was a very destructive Grammys in terms of the Grammys legacy. <laughs> what made it that way, Brittany and Rob? Are we talking the awards or the show itself? I, and, well, or just both? Well, I would cause... say as a, <laughs> as, a preface, as a preface to that, I would say that it's slightly not fair that people see it as all one thing. Mm -hmm. It's a smart question to ask what you just asked because we understand that there's at least three groups of people here. There's the group of people that nominate for the awards, which are done through various committees, etc. Then there's the larger group of voters. And then there's the people who put the TV show together who start off somewhat hamstrung by these decisions made by these prior larger groups of people mm -hmm. but people act as if it's all one group of people like how dare they give this person a performance slot and then not give them a grammy it's like well mm -hmm. that might not be fair i think the grammys is a show that takes itself more seriously than everyone else does or i guess in the scheme of what music is like the grammys is an institution that i feel like we want to take seriously in the way that we take the oscar seriously in the film industry whereas the music industry can't really function based off of awards anymore because the way that we consume music the way that music is passed down the way that we look at the legacy of music is so much bigger than an award that's passed out whereas with film i think it's a little bit more simple like I, i'm comparing it in terms of like award season how we take this seriously so i feel like sure. the awards itself w will never and can never reflect the way that we are going to consume and remember music of certain periods of time would you agree though that it seems like millennials and younger than millennials are actually the ones who are taking the grammys super seriously and expecting them to give awards to the right people in a way that perhaps uh, people of of the x generation you may have heard of like rob and myself know that they've never gotten it right and don't really expect it yeah and i think that's a function of music fandom is you want to see the music that you listen to and that you love be respected and i'm sure that you know i mean i know that i definitely had hope for the grammys for a long time and then after you kind of see a lot of stuff get passed you know every single year and certain artists not get the same respect that other artists do and seeing the huge disparity in the way that they respect women people of color um queer artists everyone like they in certain genres especially i think that you sort of see that this is just a function of a grander institution that is a reflection of everything that's wrong with 
how the music industry handles awards and merit. And, you know, probably American society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. It's a reflection of that grander institution. Usually, watch the show, enjoy the show, and uh, enjoy the performances and enjoy the show and pay no attention to who wins the awards. I think that's the way most adults watch award shows. This year, they made it very, very difficult, if not impossible, to watch the Grammys and enjoy the show without noticing, because they gave out so many awards during the show, which during the LL era, they very wisely phased the awards themselves out of the show. Mm-hmm. This time they added a lot of awards. They gave out many more awards during the show than they usually do. And because the winners were so out of whack, it was very difficult to watch the show and and not have it ruined by the awards part of the award show. <laughs> usually I'm there for the show, not the awards. This time yeah. they made the awards the show and it backfired in every possible way. Let's jump to the album of the year issue because that's where it feels like it really became irredeemable in the eyes of a lot of people. But that said, I think people misunderstood the difference between Kendrick should have won and that means Bruno Mars sucks because Bruno Mars does not suck. Bruno Mars is awesome. And I like 24K Magic a lot. And I think Bruno Mars is amazing. I think I think a lot of people, including uh, certain members of uh, the indie rock world, decided this was an opportunity to say Bruno Mars is garbage. And that to me is just sort of rockism twisted in a way and just say, oh, he's just a a lightweight pop artist. And, you know, we've learned that there's a lot of virtue in being a great lightweight pop artist. So did it kind of slip into sort of slandering the people who won through no fault of their own, if you know what I mean? Did did that line get crossed a little bit? Yeah, I do. I think that the stuff with Alessia was very interesting because a lot of people brought up the fact that she, you know, has had a career for many years now. And what's interesting about her like four years ago. Yeah. And that's, um, I mean, the best new artist category is flawed it's been flawed for a long time because they tend to like chance the rapper won last year he has been around for longer than a year and i think it's interesting that it's every single year it's the same thing in the same way that rob talked about in his piece running down with the grammys you know all the grammys controversies and the album of the year issue like that's existed for a long time that best new artist issue of recognizing an artist that has been not new for a long time is also just like a big flaw of that of that um, category and the way people award it. So their cri- their criteria, which I may have just finally learned for best new artist, is you just have to not be nominated for a Grammy before. And that, well, no, because uh, um, I believe Megan Trainer when she won, she had already been nominated for a Grammy. One of my all time no favorites idea. was the year the Jody Watley won <laughs> yeah. after she'd been in Shalimar and had millions of hits, and she actually sang on "Do They Know It's Christmas" the, the <laughs> Band Aid record. So, like, you actually feed the world, but you still come in as a best new artist. I was actually I was reading about it yesterday because I had never actually looked at what the requirements were for best new artist, and. And I think it's a big reflection of the Grammys itself, where the requirement is it has to be your first year of public notoriety. And I think that's it says a lot about the Grammys sort of idea of what is what deserves to win, because for many people, Alessia Cara has been in the public eye for, you know, long before her Zed song and Moana, like here was a a big hit for her. And she had released her debut album that same year. And the other requirement is you have to have released at least four um, songs, I think, or five, four or five songs. Wow. It seems to me, it's, it's it's not so much that, you know, that they didn't get all the categories right, that, you know, but it, I think it's that more sort of the barrage of, of awards during the show, coupled with the astoundingly uh, a destructive speech by the president of the Academy, somebody that most of us do not think of except the five minutes every year he gets up on the Grammys and, as you said, Brian, tells us all not to use Napster. Uh, <laughs> this time he decided, I don't know how he possibly could have used that time more destructively, destructively to 
himself to the Grammys to the music like well I think the quote the problematic quote actually came in an interview afterwards about stepping up is that what you're talking about about the women need to step up didn't that come in the interview after the that speech but the, the speech itself during oh, I, the show I zone, oh you actually listen to that speech I like <laughs> every time Neil Porno talks yes, what, what, did he say, what did he say during the speech it, the Grammys in, in general there was something about this particular year that that they came in that a lot of unfortunate decisions. Honestly, they should have LL Cool J every year. LL Cool J, when it, it's difficult to overstate what he means to the Grammys legacy, what he means in Grammy history. He was the show was terrible every year for over a decade before LL came on board. Nobody remembers the Grammys of the 2000s when Alicia Keys was singing with the Frank Sinatra hologram. Do you remember that? <laughs> the weirdest Absolute. part is that the Frank Sinatra hologram then won Best New Artist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but. It was the kind of thing where the uh, the hopes that people came into the Grammys with James Corden not being a figure in the music world just was not equipped to, to handle that during the course of the show yeah. and seemed to be uh, running in panic from from the show that he was supposedly hosting, mm-hmm. which, in you know, in fairness to him, was totally understandable. Yeah. So Portno's real disastrous moment came in this interview with our colleagues at Variety where he decided it was a good idea to say among... he said some things that were the right things to say and then in the course of saying the right things he said a very wrong thing which is that women need to step up to become part of you know various parts of the music industry which is just not a good thing to say just incorrect and just confusing and 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 awful and and deeply offended i think women Mm -hmm. of every stripe um and then coupled with that was a bizarre decision that was by the producers of the show not to give Lord, who was nominated for Album of the Year, not to give Lord a performance slot. But from what we understand, she was given the chance to do a group performance, probably a tribute to Tom Petty that would have included her singing American Girl. She didn't want to do it, so she did not perform. She sat uh, in the audience drinking from a flask and <laughs> ma- occasionally making faces. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, even if they had their logic, you know, I'll grant them this. They may have had their logic, which is, look, she was the least famous of the Album of the Year nominees. You could say she didn't actually have a hit single from this album. You could say all that. Maybe they have data that when she played SNL, everyone turned off the TV. I have no idea. Even so, just on an optics level, it is a horrendous decision to give the only female Album of the Year nominee not to give her a slot and to give, as Rob said, literally any other music performance <laughs> yep. from Sting to Patti LuPone, like anyone who was not Lord got to play. And it, it's just, even as giving them the benefit of the doubt that it wasn't a sexist decision, it sure looked like one. It was, I mean, what did you make of that as a, as a huge Lord fan as well? Yeah, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I had to see Shaggy twice in one night <laughs> instead of he- hearing Lord sing it, literally any song from melodrama. <laughs> it wasn't him. It wasn't him. <laughs> yeah, it's just... I mean, an incredibly ridiculous decision, especially like to involve her in a Tom Petty tribute where like Tom Petty and Lord aren't really associated ever. And she hasn't ever really cited him as a major, major influence in her work. Um, I just think that's completely insane that they wouldn't even consider giving, especially her award show performances over the last year have been really dynamic and incredible. I mean, she did like that interpretive dance for the VMAs, which I thought was really compelling, especially for someone who had the flu. And she did this amazing karaoke performance that I believe the Billboard Music Awards. And she, I mean... I loved, What did you think of her VMAs performance, which I loved? I loved it. I thought, that especially for someone who, you know, she was like, I'm ill, I cannot sing the song, so I'm going to do an interpretive dance for you. And it, it was, was really lovely. It was really lovely and moving. I had no idea she had the flu, and I just thought, yeah. this is genius. Like, yeah, it was a really nice little she's, moment. She's a fantastic performer. Uh, 
also like it 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 became more of an issue during the night because she's sitting there in the audience and all the uh, the males who performed during the show, the, the, her fellow Album of the Year nominees, they all put on really spectacular, amazing performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruno Mars was fantastic in his spot with Cardi B. Uh, Kendrick's show opening thing was was you know the stuff of legend, mind blowing. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. and so partly it was that the male nominees were were doing such fantastic live performances and really seizing this moment, and that she was shut out of the moment became more of an issue as the show went on. Yeah. In my dream fanfic of the Grammys, I feel like Jay-Z did not perform because Lord didn't perform. But Ooh, I know that's I not why. That. <laughs> <laughs> I know Jay-Z just was not bothered to perform. <laughs> so, yeah. But, you know, for Camilla to come on and speak and then not sing, that was that seemed like yeah. a bumbled moment. She had the number one album last week. Mm-hmm. The album's fantastic. It has a song, Havana, which like explicitly like makes something really mythic out of, out of the issues that she's talking about. It seemed like a really missed opportunity yeah and i think that especially with the grammys becoming more performance focused and i mean it is one of these prestige award shows that has the ability to become really performance focused to not try to pull in viewers even with just hitting the points that are the biggest moments of the year and not giving these spaces to the artists that are bringing in the numbers and making this award show even more relevant is really wild to me that they can't give these spaces to them. I mean, you had Cardi B there and no Bodak Yellow. I mean, even, I don't think she would have been invited if she didn't release that song with Bruno. Like, I don't think that they would have created any space for what was one of the biggest songs of the year to be at this award show. I also thought even the things that the Grammys usually get right, like, or right-ish, which is tributes to dead people, I thought the Tom Petty tribute was just desultory and awful. Uh, I really did. I thought that Chris uh, Chris Stapleton, uh, all respect to Chris Stapleton, he really did not do a good job singing Wildflowers, and I love Emily Harris, and it, it just, but it just didn't work. And it was, it was just, it just really depressed me. It really depressed me that you can be kind of of the level of Tom Petty, and what you get is kind of a quick butchery of your song, and then you're like gone from the Grammys forever. It just, it genuinely depressed me. And even the, you know the Tears from Heaven performance was awkward mm-hmm. it's also weird i mean eric clapton is alive uh, and it's just there's something about that even felt off to me and that the lack yeah. of mention of gun control was extremely awkward so that was bad i thought the the chuck berry tribute by gary cock jr was amazing but it felt very very quick it's we're talking about chuck berry we're talking about the founder of you know and or, fats or, domino. Uh, yeah and and fats domino and well f- the fats thing went so fast that it barely happened honestly <laughs> putting those two together was kind of i guess they thought like these are you know like founders from the 50s but they had such hugely different careers and mm-hmm. such hugely different sounds you can't like sh- sort of shoehorn those two artists together because they had signature sounds that don't resemble each other in any way mm-hmm. again it felt like not enough and off and again depressing so i guess that's the thing a lot of things just didn't feel right mm-hmm. although there were great moments such as the kendrick opener which as we said was one of the you know all-time great opening segments and as i think i said on twitter i mean kendrick's the only guest on an award show in history to bring his own preferred host with him in, in, <laughs> in, <laughs> on possibly better host uh, dave Chappelle. so that was cool and as with so many things kendrick does it was such a dense performance uh, had so much going on. How many award show performances, you know, reward multiple rewatches to really watch everything that's mm-hmm. going on and hear everything that's going on. And it, it could have set the template for an amazing show. And in fact, I think you have to give 
the Grammy producers, who again are separate from the people who nominate the songs and vote for the songs, credit for starting off like that. You know, it was it was a it was a strong message, and I would even add to that. Uh, a writer named Chris Willman made the argument that while the ceremony wasn't nearly progressive enough for sort of current music listeners, it might have been so progressive for sort of middle America that it might have alienated some of the sort of middle middle American viewers. And that might, might be one reason why the ratings were so low. And what if it's an unsolvable conundrum? What if you cannot do a Grammy show that reflects the heart of current music and is also a primetime show that will get the kind of ratings that a sort of primetime award show is supposed to get? Sorry to to you know to bang the LL Cool J drum again. <laughs> the answer is LL. Like <laughs> yeah, it it cannot be overstated how this is <laughs> the Grammy legacy for decades after decades is how to do this show and make it entertaining as a show to do right by the music. Like LL came in, everybody remembers the first year LL hosted. It was the weekend that Whitney Houston died. An impossible situation. He and 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 the Grammy producers and the Grammy writers they rose to the occasion. They made it a beautiful moment in, in, instead of what. Could have been a depressing one from beginning to end. It ended with Paul McCartney doing Side 2 of Abbey Road and dedicating it to Whitney. It was not a gradual transition. The Grammys went from a terrible show every year to every year, the best award show every year. And so really one hopes that it will continue to, to be the best award show every year. This one was really off from previous years, specifically in terms of like how the winners were so out of whack with what we were watching for. So I think Rob's answer is just bring LL Cool J back. All will be healed. <laughs> that the solves great- so many of life's problems, really. <laughs> <laughs> he needs love. We need LL. <laughs> so short of the great unifier, LL Cool J. Because <laughs> you know what I'm saying. It's, it's easy to criticize a show and tear it apart a little bit. And it is a little harder when you try to put yourself in the place of Grammy producers who not only have to make a show but make a show that you know is that the execs on cbs presumably sign off on that you know gets the kind of mass ratings that are almost impossible to get for anything in 2018 and is is broadly appealing when music is increasingly obviously siloed and not broadly appealing in the same way you know with the obvious exceptions so how do you do that fix the grammys burning <laughs> i mean i think what i uh, growing up watching the grammys what i always loved was this fusion of classic with new and i think that you know we saw it very briefly with like elton and miley i think elton's always been sort of like the like go-to guy to call up to do a performance with a younger artist and i think to one of my favorite grammy performances of all time which is when he joined gaga to do speechless and your song and she had just done this incredible vibrant poker face performance that really hit every single spot of her identity and then did this amazing duet with an artist who has been long celebrated by the Grammys. I think those moments where they bring these two worlds together has always been where the Grammys Grammys thrived. They, you know, bringing even like Gaga and Metallica last year, which even, I mean, pretty much any Gaga or Elton John performance. <laughs> More Gaga and Elton John, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I, just, I think when they do that, when they bring these artists together, you know, like they brought like Taylor and Miley together to sing 15 years ago. Like I think these moments where they have these weird duets that you wouldn't initially put together or these covers or these jams on stage, that's where the Grammys really brings together what it, it's meant to be, which is genuinely music's biggest biggest night where these things can't even happen anywhere else to play devil's advocate or just possibly point out a possible fact which is 
I wonder if artists are becoming less amenable to these combinations. Mm-hmm. You know, last year we talked to, to Ken Ehrlich and David Wilde who put the show together. And, you know, they explained from their perspective that Frank Ocean insisted on doing like his kind of weird performance a few years ago. It's, of course, it sparked a whole thing where Frank Ocean <laughs> himself made a statement about how much the Grammy sucked that people are still quoting. So, you know, that happened. But when you have an increasing number of artists who see themselves as auteurs in kind of all areas, I do wonder whether, you know, when they go to them and be like, hey, you can sing with Sting or whatever, they're like, they're like basically like, fuck off, I'm singing on my own song or, or nothing. You know what I mean? Well, I think I'm thinking more in terms of very new like the new artists that are of the moment that are really defining a certain era like i don't think that you know the gaga of the poker face era would do that as much now as like you know like bringing cardi b to sing with bruno was great to do their song but also like they should have incorporated more bodak yellow and more of bruno if they were going to in some way honor someone who did end up winning album of the year and that was a pretty short performance for someone who went home with as many awards as he did and i think that of course, like the artists like the Beyonce's and the Adele's aren't necessarily going to do moments like these because if they're nominated in these big categories, of course, they want to celebrate their big moments. But I think that there's a way to touch upon the parts of music that aren't being celebrated as much in or recognized as much in album of the year, song of the year, record of the year, who may not have these same moments again and have these spaces for them. What do you think, Rom? Harry know. Styles, I, you said, was the, was might have been the fix. He would have been a solution to a lot of problems. I don't know. <laughs> any any problem if 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 LL can't fix it, Harry can. But um, that there were no rock performances. That's something that blew my mind. It was, it was like like really weird to see no Dave Grohl at an award show. Mm-hmm. It, I actually found myself wondering during the show. I hope he's not you know home with the flu or something. <laughs> I was like, why isn't Dave Grohl there? Um, one of the things about about the producers you mentioned, who uh, like those two guys. It, it's not an exaggeration to say they saved the Grammy franchise. They know how to do this show. With a, a show like the the particular one that happened this year, there was the sense that the show, as, as you pointed out, the people who make the show are not the people who give the awards. And uh, trying to mesh them together, there's always you know an always an awkward dance. Mm-hmm. And at this time, the disconnect was just visible all through the show. Yeah, it definitely felt very segregated in a lot of ways in the way that we looked at the genres and like celebrated them. Like the YouTube moment was even in the Grammy, like like on the Grammy stage, it just felt like this separate kind of weird performance that was pushed into this telecast. Yeah. It's also like they were even short on veterans so they had to keep reusing them. Like Sting and <laughs> Sting and Bono were on the show a million times. And so even that was weird. They usually, it, it, it's like they couldn't even get the right or the right number mm-hmm. of veterans to spice it up. I think that that added to the sense of something was off. And even, of course, the Tom Petty tribute we were talking about, it clearly was meant to be something bigger because we know Lord, or we think we know that Lord was supposed to be part of it. It might be one of those things where a bunch of things fell through. <laughs> you know, it, it kind of felt that way. Yeah. I think part of the other problem is, you know, when you talk about a veteran now, and, and uh, you know, I think John Carmonica made this point very smartly in the Times. When you talk about a veteran now, I mean, that's Jay-Z. That's Jay-Z as much as Sting. And so Jay-Z mm-hmm. didn't perform. And we don't know why. Um, and it may have been his decision. But if there was a big Jay-Z performance with a lot of collaborators, and it could have been people from different genres, it could have been, you know, Chris Martin, whatever. I mean, we could yeah. finally get a live version of Jay-Z singing <laughs> Yellow. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So, but I mean, in other words, he's the kind of guy who could be the the locus for these kind of cross genre, cross generational mm-hmm. things. And he wasn't on the stage; he was just chilling with Beyonce in the audience. And that, I think, was a missed opportunity. And I think something that you spoke about earlier with Frank Ocean and 
I mean, a lot of increasingly more artists not showing up to the Grammys. Ed Sheeran didn't even bother to come, and he sweep he swept the pop categories. And Drake well, has. Well, why gone. don't we think he, he didn't show up? By the way, I'm positive because he wasn't. He didn't get an album of the year nomination. Yeah. So his his was like a fit of peak that people are presenting yeah. as some kind of woke move. I would just say, but yes, but yeah. I mean, yes. it's the same reason yeah. that Frank Ocean doesn't show up, that Drake doesn't show up, that Justin Bieber doesn't show up anymore. I mean, I'm glad that he didn't perform Despacito, but I mean, he was a big part of that <laughs> songs. Um, success and when the remix dropped that was what shot it up to number one and so I think that what's fascinating about this moment with the Grammys is that there's a certain sect of artists that do continue to take the award very seriously and it is very much the artists who are going to be more easily celebrated in those major categories but there are the artists that we would call classics right now that I would say are on the same level as a Kendrick or Bruno or any of these artists that we are recognizing who are just not showing up and what's going to happen in the next 10 years if I feel like a lot of people were saying that Beyonce and Jay-Z may never show up again because of these really incredible snubs over the last few years I mean Beyonce two album of the year nominations in a row getting snubbed for albums that both those artists that won instead of her recognized as a major loss and a really strange situation so it's, I think it's going to be really fascinating in the next few years. It's tough, though. I mean, I, I don't know if... Because I, I saw someone suggesting that women should boycott the Grammys. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if disengaging, from my perspective, I don't know if that's the answer. Yeah. I think it's sort of like staying and fighting for me is the better answer. And it's also it's also tough with, with Jay-Z and Beyonce because I wouldn't blame them if they didn't show up again. But again, they must know, again, the distinction we keep making, that the people who put on the show aren't the voters and that the voters aren't the and but i would say and i I was thinking about the oscars after the you know oscar so white thing what they did was they took a very close look at the voting base in the Mm -hmm. oscars and i think it made for real change and you do have to wonder whether it might be time for that in the grammys just looking at how many people are having done anything in the music industry for a long time they supposedly do have a re-eligibility check so that it, it, it you don't get in that situation with the oscars where you have people who weren't haven't been involved with mm-hmm. the film who are 95 years old and haven't been involved with the film industry in 25 years which was a real thing with the oscars i'm not sure you get that with the grammys yeah. but there's rob you had a line about the uh the composition of the voting base of the grammys how would you describe the voter base for the grammys the word would be old the word would be old <laughs> they are old they feel oldly they listen oldly. They are passionate about music oldly. Like they have long memories and it's built into what makes a Grammy voter. By definition, they're people with uh, careers. They're, they're lifers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, that's that's built into any Academy Award in, in any field. With the Grammys, it's it's a thing where Bruno Mars, he, he made a cross-generational record. And in terms of the Grammys, cross-generational records have always traditionally done done better. It's been at, in in the past ten years, as as you pointed out, with those those two Beyonce records. There's been a lot of high profile misses, particularly in the in the album of the year category, mm-hmm. and uh, and that this was one where it seemed like it seemed like it was teed up on the plate for them to knock it out. And 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 so I think Bruno Mars. It's it's not that you know it's not that anybody hates the Bruno record, which I love, which is excellent, which my mom loves, which you know it's a it's a record that old people can love, a record young people can love. Um, it's 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 you know it's a fantastic record, but but I think people uh, were looking to a more uh, serious, if that's okay to say, artist and and a heavyweight, and also someone who's been passed over in uh, in 
previous years. Well, it's funny you could say, you know, Kendrick is whatever the Bob Dylan of his moment. And of course, Bob Dylan didn't get a Grammy till 1973. Uh, so it would, it would actually be fitting and historically correct that he wouldn't be recognized. And you brought up a 1992, <laughs> the year punk broke, when the air was full of grunge and gangster rap. And of course, all the big awards went to Natalie Cole's Unforgettable, a duet with her dead father on a song that was already 40 years old. And that felt, I remember watching that, that felt faintly insane. <laughs> like, insane. insane. <laughs> and that was the year after Song of the Year Grammy went to Layla, a song <laughs> that was so old that the guy who wrote it was incarcerated for axe murdering his mother. Um, <laughs> like, it, it, it was a song that was so old. Uh, you know, Eric Clapton comes out with MTV Unplugged. His, his unplugged Eric Clapton album, that wins album of the year. And song of the year is his bossa nova acoustic version of Layla, which A, not as good as the original. Sorry, Layla without Greg. It's, it's, it's no insult to Eric Clapton to say Layla without Dwayne Allman is not as good as Layla with Dwayne Allman. <laughs> Eric Clapton would be the first to say so. That it wins song of the year, a song that was written in 1970, that that one song of the year for you know, 1990, 1991. That, so Unforgettable was coming like right on top of, of the Layla triumph. And there was a sense that the Grammys were, had completely bailed on current day music. And not coincidentally, the Grammy ratings were in the basement every year. It was a thing where the Grammys were sort of, they were like, we gave, we gave the kids music a chance with Millie Vanilli when we gave them best of artists. <laughs> right. And they humiliated, for, and, we're, and we won't get fooled again. So they were like, okay, we are done with all these, these kids today. And, and it was almost like this kind of, you know, almost like a boycott of, of anything that was tainted with youth in, in music culture. Not just youth, but like anything in the last four decades. Yes. You know, so, it, so this is why I guess we have a, a, a slightly different sense of the Grammys. It's sort of like no one expects much at all. And for me, it's like any degree of progressivism. I'm like, oh, that's nice. You know, <laughs> I guess I guess because for in the 90s, you know, it, there was this real sense of like for any relevance, you were going to go to the VMAs. That was which is <laughs> funny now because you know. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you, kids, yeah, like, yeah. there was a time. There, but there was really a time when, when that was where that was where you, you got the current moment reflected mm -hmm. at you. And the Grammys were kind of like this funny curiosity at best. And and listen, as we said, Ken and David saved and greatly improved the Grammys, no doubt. Absolutely. And, and it might be a huge compliment to what they've achieved that people now actually expect them to be super relevant. Yeah, I mean, the truth is, like, by 1992 standards, Bruno winning the album of the year instead of someone who was, like, been in a coffin for 50 years is a major improvement. Yeah, yes, you know? exactly. Yes. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's certainly, like, inflated standards. Nobody would have been surprised about this, you know, 10, 15 20 years ago. Growing up, like the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, when I was watching the, the Grammys, it was the kind of thing where you wanted to sort of see, you know, people from different genres interact. You wanted to hear music that you didn't hear before. And and every year there's music on the Grammys that hopefully people are hearing that they haven't heard before. And and seeing like the, the genres interact. And you didn't expect the actual awards to be, you know, reflecting the greatest artistic achievements of the years. That wasn't the point of the show. Right. You were you were lucky if things were even in the right genre, like Death or Tull, Heavy Metal, 
famously, you know. I, I remember the Grammys where Toto won every award. <laughs> I remember Toto won producer of the year. And they go and like Toto are up there holding their Grammys and and I remember the guy from Toto with the beard. I don't remember his name. Toto guy with the beard. If I apologize for not remembering your name if you're out there. Um and, and he said so and he apologized to Quincy Jones who was sitting in the audience and he apologized for winning producer of the year instead of as as he very graciously said in the moment instead of a real producer but it was the kind of thing where you watched it and it was funny that toto won every award <laughs> and that was what you expected from the grammy so now our expectations are loftier in a way that kevin and, and david are unpunishedly un, unfairly being punished for having raised the game and i think there is a generation now that is sort of sick of the bullshit and i think is demanding to be represented in every way and i think you know kanye might deserve some credit for this moment in that he was the first guy, the first person to be like, you know what, that award went to the wrong person, and I feel so strongly about it that I'm going to get on stage for it. You I, know, I don't, I don't think we can. I, <laughs> no, I, I disagree with I've, every single premise of what you're saying. <laughs> We I mean, I we're not going to get in and out of this conversation and, and of in two course, minutes. And of course, Absolutely no way. <laughs> I'm not saying Taylor really was dropped Taylor, a bomb. I'm not saying Taylor was the wrong person. I'm saying in, from his perspective, his yeah, yeah, he wanted his yeah, opinion. No Taylor slander here. I, uh, and it's always Beyonce who's the victim. Beyonce is always the true victim of this. It's unthinkable. Like the whole idea of let's have an award show that's not tied with the baggage and the history and the legacy of the Grammys. That's that's done. That's out there. It's called the American Music Awards. It's fine. There's the People Choice Awards. That's fine. You know, you can always set up, you know, some, you know, new, like fancy snazzy award show. And it's not bound up with all the history and legacy and baggage of the Grammys. But there's something about the Grammys and that historical continuity. People want to get the award that Frank Sinatra got. That's people want to be part of that historical mm -hmm. continuity. And so it, that's something that's built into the Grammys. It has that history that's both a blessing and a curse. It is really funny. Yeah, I want the award that Jimi Hendrix was never even nominated for. You know, it's like that. <laughs> but, that's that's the weird thing with the history is is the history again is just the history that people imagine is there just doesn't exist. Yes, I think exactly. people imagine a, this Grammys yes. were like Jimmy and Janice and 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 Bob Dylan and Marvin Gaye are like marching up to get their, their trophies. This never happened. It's a it's a, that's on Earth four. That never happened on this <laughs> yes. Earth. And anyway, so Brittany, you had something to say about the sort of history of the Grammys and why these awards still mean so much to people. Yeah, I think it's just about reclaiming that history in a lot of ways. I think for a lot of young artists and for a lot of artists who haven't been represented and have not seen their genres represented, have not seen their race represented, have not seen their gender represented, like they want to rebuild this history because there is still so much prestige around the idea of the Grammys. And a lot of the idea is a myth. As you explained earlier, like it's a lot of that prestige is mythological and it's based off of just what this trophy looks like and what it looks like when Beyonce is holding five awards in her arms. And we've had those rare moments where these artists do get recognized and we can say like, you know, you can still picture Amy Winehouse winning Best New Artist and you can see her face so excited about that moment. And Blake incarcerated. Yeah. <laughs> and I think like you like remember these moments and you they do make it seem like there have been these brief glimpses of progressivism in the Grammy Awards, but it's just not there overall. And I think that in a lot of ways, the music industry is starting to catch up to where we are at in this musical moment a lot more than they were even two, three years ago. And I think we're seeing some of the most inventive music, inventive release strategies, inventive ways that fans engage with music. And we just want to see the merits and the awards reflect that in a lot of ways. But again, that history is a myth and 
I guess there's just a reshaping of the history that people would like to see in a lot of ways, or maybe they just, they want to see their favorite artists for a lot of the fans who are consuming this and also kind of inciting a lot of the anger. They want to see that Beyonce with five Grammy picture with, you know, the artists that they love. And the other thing is with, it's a very obvious point, but you know, with social media, fans now have an ability to sort of fight back, which mm. people didn't used to have when the awards went to insane people in the past. People were just like, oh, what are you going to do? And they just like picked up the backpack and went to school the next day. Like, you know, what, like literally, what are you going to do? Write a letter? Well, it's you not know? even just the, <laughs> yeah. the fans, but the artists as well. And I mean, I think point, about yeah. the Macklemore test. I mean, especially when you just mentioned the Toto like apology to Quincy Jones, <laughs> I just immediately my head went to Macklemore sending an apology text to Kendrick Lamar for winning Best Rap Album and then posting it on Instagram because what was that going to do? But I think that it's an interesting moment where not only are the fans fighting back and they are treating themselves like they do function in some way as publicists or managers for their favorite artists or for any of these artists even if they aren't their favorite because I think it was pretty unanimous that people wanted Kendrick Lamar to win but I feel like they're the artists are responding to that moment and because artists are very sensitive to criticism like I think that they are finding ways to put their input into this and also defend themselves but also point out that they agree in a lot of cases i think adele was very receptive to the way that people saw that lemonade was an album of the year in many capacities last year and she even pointed out in her speech and she recognized that moment and she was very graceful with how she handled it you know something i have no idea what reminded me of this but i did want to say that kesha was really great and I think that she actually was one of the night's big winners because if you think about one of the advantages of the Grammys is you can get out there and maybe show something that people didn't know you had, mm -hmm. you know, especially she's a perfect person for that. People didn't really know who she was as an artist. First and, year Grammy nominee this year too. Yeah. And wow. you know, you were, you were arguing should have been a long time ago, but, and we saw just from our own, you know, from our own internal analytics, we know that people were Googling the hell out of Kesha out of that performance. Mm -hmm. And that's what you want. You want people to be like, who the hell is that? Or that artist is not who I thought they were. And it shows how janky something was about this year that even that, and of course, there's debate around that moment about how it was presented and yeah. whether it, you know, whether it was, you know, a smokescreen or whatever for for problems that the music industry hasn't really looked at. But still, there's there's something about this year where even the great moments seem to be kind of a little overshadowed by everything. Mm -hmm. So it's tough. Something, I guess something I thought of during the memorial loop, which which was really beautifully done. Maybe the performance of Wildflowers didn't meet your petty standards but um <laughs> but it, it, it was a very it was a very beautiful memorial tribute i i thought as 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 it uh often is with with the names and uh it seemed greg allman during that it made me like remember when i was a little kid i remember seeing greg allman the first time i ever heard of him i was watching the grammys and seeing greg allman and he was he was playing an acoustic guitar and it was funny that it just made an impression on me that that greg allman i was thinking about like how the grammys it, it, you know it's something that passes music on that you know, uh, we all have artists that we first discovered via the Grammy show, and that that's that's something that the Grammys has a unique power to do year after year. It is this moment. It's it's such an opportunity. It's this moment with music. Music is is always the kind of third class citizen of the entertainment world in this weird way. It doesn't have that primetime moment for the most mm -hmm. part. When it does, people are scared of it. Even on Saturday Live, they relegate it till after midnight. No one gets to perform, you know, except on late night. It takes a lot for the singers to get invited to talk to the hosts on late night. Music status in showbiz is, is always is always weird. So that's another thing that makes the Grammys so important. I actually like the moment when they all read from Fire and the Fire and Fury, mm -hmm. um, just because it, 
it gave you a chance to see the musicians' personalities. Yeah. It was the exact opposite of the absolutely endless Sting Shaggy subway <laughs> sketch, which I, I swear went on for three to four hours. Yeah. And a very effective way of marrying a current political moment with music and having really current artists come together for this really funny bit. It's also tough. I mean, just on a fundamental level, our attention spans are so short now. And to give us a three-hour ceremony, it's... <laughs> I don't know. Should it be shorter or something? I don't know. It's what? like it's, no, no, uh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no, 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 no. I just like That's to like work rock football out. games should be shorter. You're just uh, antagonizing me. They absolutely should be shorter. Yes, football games. Yes, <laughs> Are, people who love football games. Yeah. People have yeah. to sit around all day, drink beer, watch football games. Yeah, yeah. They don't care that they go on forever. I'm like that with stupid award shows. Maybe they should I be want, longer. I want the Grammys to be twice as long. I want the Oscars to go on for a week. <laughs> don't get me started. I wish the Golden Globes lasted an entire month. Two weeks of that just for Jacqueline Bissett. Well, the, the, the only way to achieve true representation would be to have the Grammys as sort of a Jerry Lewis telethon and just let it go on for a week. And then, we could, <laughs> then we could make everyone happy. It would be... You know, I'd never heard Jerry Lewis sing before the other night's Grammys. When, when, during the memorial loop when, when they showed his picture and they had a clip of him singing his 50s hit single version of Rock By Your Baby with the Dixie Melody, I thought, I'm learning something during the Grammys. Jerry Lewis, <laughs> terrible singer. To, uh, to wrap up, final recommendations for the Grammys, guys. Yeah, I think when the Grammys have been... The better years of the Grammys have felt like a celebration. Like they've genuinely felt, even with, even even if they had like big snubs or major losses, like they felt like a celebration of where music is and where music is going and where music history has a place now. And I feel like something about this telecast just felt so off and sad. And it just felt like a lot of things were left out and misplaced. And it just, I think they need to find a more streamlined way of reflecting history with the current musical moment so shorter much shorter like an hour no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) what are you trying to do to me um i'll say two words l l that's like he is he made it work and it didn't work without him before he got there and clearly it doesn't work without him ll is is the element ll bigger and deafer grammys please Rob could not be more serious right now just for the record i am absolutely serious so this has been Rolling Stone Music Now. I'm Brian Hyatt. I had Brittany Spanos and Rob Sheffield in the studio. We talk Grammys. We'll be back next week here on SiriusXM's Volume Channel 106. In the meantime, download us as a podcast. Subscribe to us as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Maybe leave us a nice review. We always appreciate that. And we'll see you next week. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.